pretty cool to have Rob on staff, isn't it? It's an awesome job. Well, good morning, everybody. Everybody make it okay? You guys all get a gold star, by the way, on your way out today for being here. So um, really, though, if, uh, if you're a guest here with us today, welcome. And uh, we're just really glad that you were able to join us. And, and I've just been praying this week that, uh, that God would just do something really unique in our midst and uh, that he would speak to each and every one of us here today. So um, yeah, so welcome here. And if you are a guest, thanks for uh, making a special effort to, to be here with us today. As, as Rob said, today we're concluding our series through the book of, um, or not through the book of Genesis, but our series through the life of Abraham, our series called Journey of Faith. And uh, I hope, too, that you've enjoyed this series. The way that we see Abraham in this last message is really pretty incredible. Um, I want you to imagine, and this will be fun particularly this morning, I want you to imagine that it's the 4th of July and um, you're sitting next to a lake and it's a beautiful evening. See, it's a fun thought, isn't it? Yeah. And it's, it's a really nice night and, and you're there and, and you're watching the fireworks show and it's, it's going well, just kind of typical good fireworks. But then boom, as you know, it kind of comes to a calm and then there's the grand finale. It gets really big, really fast, right? And when we get to Genesis chapter, two, Genesis chapter 22, Really the story and the, the life of Abraham, in a lot of ways, it comes to kind of this climactic moment where it's sort of like a grand finale in his life. We're going to see Abraham this morning in our text today undergo his hardest test. Definitely not his first test, definitely not his last test, but it was a great one. It was a very challenging one, one that would really push his faith. We're also going to see this morning that this text gives us an incredibly clear pointer to a much greater event. In Genesis chapter 22, it's one example in the Old Testament, one of several, that points to, that sets the stage, you could even say, for a much greater event that was to come, a a life-changing, the most life-changing event that would happen in all of human history. As I've studied this week, there have been two specific things that have popped out to me. First, as we go through this text, I think it's gonna bring you a challenge. I think it's gonna bring you an inspiration as we look at the life of Abraham. But also, I believe that it's going to ignite in us a sense of worship. I believe that it's going to ignite in us a sense of of gratitude, a a sense as it points forward, as we look at Genesis 22, and and it points forward to a greater event that would come, it's sort of like it puts a magnifying glass on that, and it's going to ignite in us worship. So that's where we're headed this morning. And before we get there, I just want us to pray together again and just ask the Lord, Lord, would you speak to us today? And so I want us to lay our hearts open before him. Maybe you come here and it's been a great week or, or maybe you're facing some real challenges. But let's go to the Lord together and let's just pray. Almighty God, would you do a, a work in us? So yeah, let's, let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you're, you're here today. I thank you for each and every person that you brought. And, um, and Lord, we know that when we open up your word, Lord, you have a message for us. And so we're praying, Lord, now that your Holy Spirit would come, that it would empower, that it would move and Lord, that you would speak into us. We pray that we would walk away from here today and we would be stronger in our faith, that our vision of you would be greater and our sense of who we are in Christ would become even greater. And so why don't you even just say on your own to the Lord right now, would you just say, Lord, Lord, I'm open to you. Lord, would you speak to me? Go ahead and just have that kind of a conversation with the Lord right now. Lord, I'm open. Would you speak to me? Lord, we love you, and um, we pray to you in confidence. Um, We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as we begin, I I want to ask you to do something this morning. I want you to think about for a minute 
the hardest decision that you've ever had to make in your life, the hardest decision, the thing that maybe kept you up at night, it was maybe a decision that it consumed your thoughts, it's one that was heavy on your heart. It wasn't a decision really that you would probably wish on anyone else. It was hard. Can you narrow it down maybe in your mind just to one, one decision like that? And maybe it was a relationship that you knew was going down a certain road and you thought to yourself, I need to make a decision and get out of this relationship. But you didn't really want to because you knew there was cost in it for you. There might be the risk of, of being alone and things like that. And so it was a tough decision. Or maybe for you, it was a job offer. You had a job offer to go somewhere else and financially it looked really good, but you, know, you knew that it might be a compromise in your values. It didn't line up maybe with who you really were. I asked some people this week, what was the hardest decision that you've ever had to make in your life. One person said, this guy said, it was whether I should ask this girl that I was dating, that I was deeply in love with, should I, would she marry me? That was his decision. That was a hard one for him. How about this one? Another person said, if, if we should move closer to family, even though our house would not sell, huge financial burden to come to a new location. Should we do that or shouldn't we? Another said this, it was the decision to express forgiveness outwardly to someone while inside the person didn't feel it at all. Another person said it was the decision, it was a medical decision of whether or not to put my mother through another surgery even though she was terminally ill with cancer. Imagine the weight of that decision. For you, in order to make that decision that you're thinking about, it maybe made you trust someone else, maybe kind of puts you vulnerable in someone else's position, maybe it made you kind of step up with your own abilities, or maybe you would say it was the decision that it was at the level where you'd say it tested your faith in God. It made you rely on God in a way maybe that you never have before. Today, as we look at the life of Abraham, we're going to see in a very real sense as we get mentored by him that he made a decision that would have tested his faith like no other decision that he had previously faced or whatever. But the key for Abraham here is, today is this. It was his constant relationship with God. That was the lens through which he looked at this decision. And it was the lens through which he became a great man of faith. Now we've seen throughout this series also though that there have been times when Abraham blew it. There have been times when we've looked at the example of Abraham and we've thought to ourselves, maybe I know I have, wow, I'm, I'm actually glad that this is included in the scriptures where Abraham blew it because it gives us encouragement that God does use broken people. You might feel broken here today. You might feel, wow, I don't have it all together. It gave us encouragement that God does give second chances, that God doesn't just call it quits on the person that has their doubts, the person who's maybe waffling a little bit, that God does give second chances, that God isn't one that looks at a marred record and goes, no, that, sorry, that's not for me, uh-uh. No, God is not afraid of our doubts or our struggles. In Genesis chapter 12, we saw that Abraham lies about his wife, about who she is in order to protect himself. In Genesis chapter 16, we saw Abraham gave up on the fact that God had promised a son through Sarah. Abraham gave up on that. He slept with Hagar and they had a son. You've also seen along the way, though, that Abraham has made some decisions that are worth emulating. Today, we'll see Abraham's faith is on display. We're going to see today a man that's very well now advanced in years and he's going to demonstrate a very mature faith. Abraham's going to demonstrate a faith that's been tested, thoroughly tested. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. That's where we'll land today. Genesis 22. Verse 1 there, it says this. It says, sometime later, and again, now realize Abraham's now, he's over 100 years old. Sometime later, God tested 
Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham. Now we can find out right away that the intentions of God in this passage are to test Abraham. God knows the outcome of the story, but God knows that there is something in this test. What it will do is it will raise up a kind of faith in Abraham that he's never had to express before. God knows how this thing will play out, and God knows that this experience of testing Abraham will continue to chisel his character and form him into a great, strong man of God. But let me ask you, do you like tests? Students that are here, um, let me ask you a question. What goes through your mind when on Friday the teacher stands before your class and says, hey, tomorrow we're going to have a test? Does anyone get excited? No, I mean, you pray for snow. I mean, you you feel sick, things like that. It's, It's not a pleasant thought, right? We typically don't like to be tested. If I said to you today, your faith is going to be extremely tested this week, you wouldn't get probably too excited about that. Yet if we think about the times, you think about the times for yourself when when maybe you'd say, I grew the most during this situation. Oftentimes, it was the times when our faith was going through a trial, when we were being tested in our circumstances. Maybe you're going through a hard divorce, or maybe you've lost a loved one, or, or just things are uncertain to you. Oftentimes, it's in those times when God strengthens our faith the most. The Apostle Paul said it like this in Romans chapter 5. He said, we also rejoice in sufferings. We rejoice in trials and sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Verse 1, God calls out to Abraham, and Abraham says, here I am, he replied. In verse 2, it says, then Abraham said, Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and I want you to go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. Now notice the words that God uses to describe Abraham and Sarah's son. God says, your son, the one that you love, your only son, Isaac. By this time, Ishmael is out of the picture. And for Abraham and for Sarah, all the focus is on Isaac. Eyes are on him. And we know this, Isaac was the one that God had continually talked about. God had continually said, this is the one through whom Isaac, I will bless. And this is the promise will come through Isaac. And so this statement would have been huge for Abraham. We know from earlier scriptures also that the journey even just to having Isaac was no small deal. And so this promise of this child's life was even more incredibly significant just by the journey by which this child came into the world. Remember the journey to having Isaac. Sarah was 90 years old. Abraham was 100 years old. Genesis 12, though, says, Abraham, Sarah, I'm going to bless you, and I will make your name great, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And God went on to say, get this, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you, through your offspring, Abraham, through Isaac. Then in Genesis chapter 17, verse 15, it says this, God also said to Abraham, as for, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and, and I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I mean, and, and this would have been impossible in the mind of Abraham. He would have been thinking, absolutely not. There's no way. He says, I will bless her so that she will be the mother of, of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell down and he laughed and he said to himself, will a son be born to me, a man of 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? 
And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing, meaning, God, that's impossible. Let's just do this deal through Ishmael. And then God said, yes, but your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Now, I read these words to you because what does it do? It amplifies the reality of what's taking place here. This was a big deal because of who Isaac was. Even without who Isaac was, with being the one of the promise, this would have been a big deal, but even much more so because of the promise that was on the back of Isaac. There was major promise on his life. You could think of it like this. It wasn't simply like Abraham had been like a star jock athlete, you know, It wasn't like Abraham was just on the varsity squad and he was a good ball player and and now his son's on the team and so there was a little added pressure on his son because of who his dad was. Not the case at all. It's much bigger. Isaac was the promised seed through whom, get this, nations of people would be blessed. Yet in light of that, Abraham is hearing, offer this child as a sacrifice. That would have been absurd. Verse 3, early the next morning, and you can bet Abraham didn't sleep a wink that night. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and he loaded his donkey and he took with him his two servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. Now notice the obedience that Abraham has to God's words here. God speaks. What does Abraham do? Very early in the morning, he obeys God speaks to Abraham in a place called Beersheba. Now know this, it's about, I'll show you a map of this, it's about 50 mile journey there. Beersheba's clear in the the bottom right hand corner there and you kind of see those small arrows kind of pointing up to the north. You see Mount Moriah there. Okay, 50 mile journey. So this this was no small trek. Can you imagine what it was like for Abraham to get out of bed that morning and to think to himself, okay, now I'm gonna go gather up wood so that I can lay my son on an altar and I can sacrifice him. Can you imagine what was going through his mind when he began that journey? I tried to enter into this text this week. I really did. And I really had a hard time understanding the magnitude of what I felt like was probably true of the text. I had a hard time with this story. I had a hard time not just looking at it as a story in the Bible, an amazing story. And then it kind of hit me. And it hit me when I was walking my son home. I get to walk my son home from school on Monday afternoons. And I actually want to invite my son up here. This is Aiden. Aiden, come on up. Aiden is a great kid. He's seven years old. And I anticipate that, that Aiden will be taller than me by the time he's in fifth grade. Um, <laughs> a little embarrassed by that, but I think it probably will happen. And, um, but Aiden is a son that we love so incredibly much. And so when I'm walking him home on Monday, I'm thinking about these verses, and it began to kind of hit home for me, right? And it's just something else a little fun about Aiden here. He wrote this in class on Friday, and he was asked to write a paper about himself, and he said, The best part of me is my cool muscles. They are very tan and big with white and gold. That was pretty cool, right? Big muscles, yeah. And so anyway, I'm, I'm thinking this week about what it must have been like for Abraham. And I'm thinking about what it was like for Abraham to walk with Isaac. And he, he walks with him not just one mile, not two miles, but he walks with his son 50 miles. This was a three-day journey. This was a long deal. 
Now imagine what it must have been like for him. I love this kid so incredibly much. The other day I just said to him, I said, Aiden, I said, totally sincere. I said, Aiden, I delight in you. You know, you bring me joy, right? But imagine what it was like for Abraham. I would imagine that there was a time when they were walking together. I would imagine when Isaac looked at his dad and he said, Dad, why aren't you telling stories like you usually do when we walk together? Dad, what's wrong? Dad, why are you so quiet today? And then think about the the, the moments as they continued to, to move around on that journey. And I would think that Abraham was constantly thinking, how can I get my son Isaac out of this situation? Is there any way that I can get Isaac out of here? Is there any way that I can become the sacrifice on that altar? I remember when Aiden was just a baby. And um, actually, sorry, not just a baby. He had jaundice really bad as a baby, and that was a, a, a bit of a scare. But then when he was just, as just a couple years ago, he got this mild fever, turned into a really high fever. And then from there, his breathing got really tough one night, Right? And so we're woken up in the middle of the night and you could see his chest compressing as he's trying to take breaths. And it was one of those situations, parents, you can relate to this, when you just kind of freak out, right? And you just know, oh, get into the hospital now. It was one of those moments. And I can remember thinking that night, if I could just take on that breathing issue myself instead of him having to go through it, that would be, that would be the best. You can, you can just imagine that Abraham is thinking to himself, if only, Isaac, I could step into your place. This is why you hear parents sometimes say, you'll ask them how they're doing, and they'll say, well, I'm doing as well as my child that's struggling the most. You know that feeling? Now think about this, though. Let's walk up here. Think about the moment. Let's go all the way up. Think about the moment, though, when Abraham is getting near the top of Mount Moriah. And think about the moment, then, when Isaac looks to Abraham and he says, Hey, Dad, we've, we've got the wood, and you've got the coals, we've got the fire, and you've got the knife. And then he asks this question, defining moment in this story. He asks the question, but where is the lamb? And you can imagine at that point, Abraham I mean, it was defining. It was the hugest moment in the text that we'll read this morning. The the rubber hit the road for Abraham in that moment. And Abraham simply said this. He said, Isaac, my son, and and just notice how he said that, my son. He said, God will provide the lamb. God will provide the lamb. What a moment. What a moment. And in that moment, what happened was this. Abraham's eyes went off of his son, who he loved dearly, went off of his son, and they went straight up to God. Let's keep going to the text. Look with me at verse 4. Thanks, buddy. Good job. I think I was more nervous today than he was. Look with me at verse 4. One commentator put it like this. He said, few narratives in Genesis can equal this story in dramatic tension. Verse 4, on the third day, on the journey to Mount Moriah, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in a distance and he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Now there's a lot to be said here in those few words. Notice the pronoun that Abraham uses. He says, we will worship, and then we will come back to you. Now, you've got to ask the question, Abraham, how are you going to do this? I mean, how are you and your son going to worship, and then the two of you, we are going to come back? We get a little insight into the mind of Abraham, and 
Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. It says, by faith Abraham, when, he was te- when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. And then here it is, verse 19. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Notice this. Because of God's promise, Abraham believed that God would raise Isaac back from the dead. Abraham knew Isaac as a blessing cannot be with Isaac as a corpse. He knew that. And he knew that God would not contradict himself. And he knew that since this child was the, was the one of the promise, he knew that God would come through and he knew that he was about to see a miracle. Look with me at verse 6. Again, I mean, you can just picture in that moment, Abraham's eyes go right off of Isaac and they go right up to God. Verse 6, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac and and he, he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his, father, to, to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Now keep in mind that Abraham didn't see a little lamb over the hill, the next hill, not at all. This is an inspiring statement of faith that Abraham makes here. Verse 9, it says, When they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now, if there's any moving that still needs to happen in the the heart of Abraham, it would have taken place. He has gone from the place where he's fearing the situation to the place where he's placed his trust in God. Does he still have fear? Oh, definitely he does. But he's walking right into it because of his overwhelming picture of who God is and what God can do. Verse 10. It says, then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns and he went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. The actual name here that Abraham used was Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. And what that became was actually a name for God. And so people, instead of just saying God, they would say Jehovah Jireh, meaning God provides. Abraham, in a sense, memorialized this idea by name, by making it a name for God. That might be a takeaway statement for you this morning. Jehovah Jireh. You're going through a trial. You look at your situation and you go, I don't know how we're going to get through this. Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. Verse 14. It says, and to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Verse 15. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, 
I will surely bless you and I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand in the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. And then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off for Beersheba and the Lord stayed in Beersheba. And, sorry, and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Nancy Gunthrie, she put it like this. I thought this was said so well. She said, Abraham did not drag his feet or argue with God. Early in the morning, he obeyed. And as we observe him, we recognize that his faith is the real deal. Genuine faith is always lived out through obedience. Authentic faith is proven, purified, and strengthened when put to the test. Abraham passed this test of faith, didn't he? He passed it with flying colors. Now, you might say this morning, though, you might say, well, man, I, I hear you that we're going to get inspired by the story of Abraham, but honestly, I could never be like Abraham. I mean, Abraham is a mentor. Yes, I understand that. He's inspiring, but, but come on, I, I can hardly even relate to Abraham and his big faith. Please don't leave here this morning with that being your primary thought. This is not just a story of inspiration. This is a story of redemption. Maybe you're sitting here today and you'd say, wow, I'm beaten up spiritually. I'm in, a, I'm in a tough spot. My goal is that I would get out of bed in the morning. I'm just trying to have some devotions with the Lord. I'm trying to kick up my prayer life. I'm just trying to, just trying to have communion with God. You would say, wow, I'm, maybe you would even say, I'm, I'm at an all-time low spiritually. Maybe you'd say, I feel broken spiritually. I'm in, a, I'm in a rut. Maybe you're in a painful place. Know this, God can use that time in your life to prepare your character for what lies ahead. I want to encourage you. And I want to encourage you the way that Abraham, what we see in his life, he continued to seek God. And in those places in our lives where we go, wow, I, I don't like where I'm at. If I could change my situations, I would do it in a heartbeat. Know this, that it's in those places when we continue to seek God, that God chisels our character. That God forms us into the man or the woman that he wants us to be, the person of faith, that he refines us in those times. I heard a statement this week that helped me frame the life of Abraham and, and how he was able to walk with God with such great faith. The statement was this, when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. I mean, think about this for a, a minute. Abraham, Abraham knew who he was. Abraham knew that he was a child of God. Abraham knew who he was. Abraham knew that God was faithful. Abraham knew that God was one that had his best interests in mind. And since Abraham knew who he was, what did he do? He knew what to do. He knew that it was wise to trust God. He knew that God had his best interests in mind. He knew that God cared for him. Abraham, know this, he didn't will himself up that mountain that day. It wasn't a good pep talk that got Abraham to the top. It was confidence in God. It was not Something that he said, oh, I'm just going to will myself to the top. No, no, no. It was confidence in a God who would provide. I would encourage you this morning, remember all that you have in common with a man like Abraham. The second thing that this passage does is it acts as a huge arrow pointing us towards what is to come. If we just fly over this text at kind of like the 30,000 foot level, we'll see some great things and we'll be inspired, I believe, in our faith but really when you go a little bit higher, the 10,000 foot level, you see some major things that are going on in this Old Testament passage. 
I want to take you back to a key question that was asked in this text. Because it was such a key question, this question is really, it's a thread that goes throughout the Old Testament. It's why Genesis 22 has such great significance for us here today. Verse 7, Isaac spoke up to his father, Abraham, father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb? This question would be asked for centuries to come. People would wait in great expectation for how this particular question would be answered. They waited in great expectation for that promised Messiah who would one day take away the sins of all the world. When you think about the similarities between Abraham and Isaac and the similarities between God the Father and Jesus Christ, it's profound. Let me just list a few here. Genesis chapter 11, Sarah is barren. Luke chapter 1, Mary is a virgin. Genesis chapter 18, Sarah laughs at this potential of having this child. Luke chapter 1 verse 34, Mary, what does she do? She, she questioned how, how having this child could be possible. Genesis chapter 22, Abraham says, take your son, the son who you love. Matthew chapter 17, God the Father looking at Jesus and he says, this is my son whom I love. Love. Genesis 22, Isaac carries the wood on his back up the mountain. John chapter 19, verse 17, Jesus carries the cross on his back. Isaac on the altar doesn't fight Abraham. He lays down willingly. Jesus Christ willingly goes to Calvary. Yet with all the similarities, and there are more, there is one major contrast between these two stories. Genesis chapter 22, verse 11, the angel says, Abraham, Abraham, do not lay a hand on the boy. Big contrast here. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. God did not spare his son, but gave him up. Gave him up for you, gave him up for me. God the Father watched Jesus. He watched Jesus cry out and he was silent. God the Father watched Jesus be mocked, be, be whipped, be spit on, silent. God the Father was not absent when the first spike went through the hand of Jesus. Yet out of his love for us, the wrath of God was unleashed on Jesus so that you and I might be forgiven. A lot of similarities in these stories, but one huge contrast. Isaac asked, where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? A, a question that would project forward for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. We get to John in the New Testament, and, and John, when he sees Jesus walking towards him, he not only recognizes him, but the way that he addresses Jesus says a lot about who Jesus would be and this whole promise. So John says in John chapter 1, verse 29, Behold, he sees Jesus coming and he says, The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This morning, it's really appropriate for us to be able to take communion together. This morning, we're just going to spend some time in, in communion. And, and on the one hand, again, I hope that your faith is a bit inspired by the life of Abraham. But also, I hope that this morning, this passage, what it foreshadows, I hope that it creates in you what I, I know it's creating in me, a sense of worship, of of gratitude, of, wow, things were different with Jesus. Where is the lamb? When Jesus showed up, the wrath of God was no longer spared. 
that was laid upon him. And so this morning as we take communion, we can really let that sink in and, and let our worship really be ignited, I pray. So our hosts are going to come forward after I pray. And, and um, just some logistical things with communion. Um, as you know, as the trays go around, you want to reach deep down in there and, and grab uh, two cups out of there so you get the bread in the cup. And, um, and then I want you to know, too, if you're a guest here with us, um, we have an open communion at Brookside. And so um, we would love for you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, to share in communion uh, with us today. So, so yeah, host, why don't you come forward and, and um, I'll go ahead and pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this story of Abraham and Isaac. And um, Lord, not only is it inspiring to think about the journey of faith and, and how you worked inside the life of Abraham throughout this series as we've seen. But Lord, also the way in which we can end today by saying, wow, Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. And Lord, you did provide. You provided your son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, today as we take communion, um, Lord, as we prepare our hearts for communion, Lord, might the, really the, the gravity of what is happening and what happened in those moments when you went to the cross, Lord, might those sink into our hearts. And maybe, Lord, you would ignite in us again a fresh faith, Lord. Maybe you would ignite in us again, Lord, the reality of all that you've done for us and forgiving us through our faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. Jehovah Jireh, you have provided. So, Lord, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Then after all the elements are passed out, I'll come back up and, and we'll take those together. So yeah, let's just prepare our hearts now.